Can I have my welcome? My name's Tim Chilvers, one of the leaders here at Riverside. It's brilliant to have you here. If you're here for the first time particularly, uh, we want to extend an extra special uh, welcome uh, to you. We're going to turn now uh, to the Bible. Uh, and so if you've got Bibles, you might like to open it. But if not, don't worry, the words will come up on the screen. Uh, it's been brilliant for us at Riverside over the last few weeks. And we've had a student with us who's doing, he's up, she's at Theological College. And she's been doing a placement with us for five weeks. And so Naomi Ridgen, where are you, Naomi? Brilliant. She's going to come and read to us the Bible. But let's give her a big round of applause as she comes and does so. So we're going to read Luke chapter 18, verses 9 to 17. To some who were confident of their own righteousness and looked down on everyone else, Jesus told this parable. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I am not like the other people, robbers, evildoers and adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and I give a tenth of all I get. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. People were also bringing babies to Jesus for him to place his hands on them. When the disciples saw this, they rebuked them. But Jesus called the children to him and said, Let the children come to me, and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will not enter it. Brilliant. Thanks, Naomi. So as we say, we've, we're beginning a new series today called G-Force, all about generosity. Uh, and as we begin, we're going to pray together. So can I invite us to stand? Please stand. And we're going to pray using a prayer on the screen. We're going to pray it all together out loud. There's three slides of this. And this prayer is a heartfelt prayer, basically asking God to help us to be a generous people. So let's be still and then we'll pray this all together out loud. So we pray. Holy Father, there is nothing I have that you have not given me. All I have and am belong to you, bought with the blood of Jesus. To use it all for myself and to give without sacrifice is not the way of Christ. Forgive us, Lord. Holy Father, Generosity is the way of those who call Christ their Lord. We long to be people who love with open hearts and open hands. Empower us, Lord. Holy Father, I am determined to be generous because you are generous. Set us free, Lord, to be people who live open-hearted lives with a generosity that points only to you. Amen. Amen. Do please sit down and as we begin this series. I'm only human after all. Don't put the blame on me. Hopefully it will make sense why we played that a little bit later on. 
So today, this series, all about the power of generosity, that it has a force to generosity that can change literally the world. But I don't know what comes to your mind when you think of the word generous. Maybe it's something like this. Sharing. Lovely. Or maybe generosity is an act of service where those in high positions stoop to serve those lower positions. Or maybe generosity is doing something you hate for those you love. <laughs> or maybe, as does the Rands on Facebook and Twitter and all that, uh, is giving something generous like a tip, like this one that was doing the Rands, where somebody gave a tip to a waitress for $750 so that she could get back uh, to her home in Ireland. What comes to your mind when you think of the word generous or generosity? Many of us often automatically think of money. Now money is one aspect of generosity as we'll see, but generosity is bigger than that, much bigger. And throughout this series you'll see we're going to be focusing on being generous with our time, generous with our words, generous with the story that we have about our lives, being generous hearted. So do use these flyers, why don't you use them to invite people to come to church on Sunday morning. Many, many of our friends would love to come if we asked them uh, and so maybe we can use this to ask them. So come along over the next few weeks. And each week we're going to set a sort of little challenge or an, give each of us an act to do that week, an act of generosity. And this week it's a simple one. This week, enjoy a gift from God. Think of something that you love doing. And then use that to do it and spend a bit of time as you do it prayerfully saying thank you to God for this good thing that you're doing. It might be having a cup of coffee on your own, that peaceful five minutes. It may be going for a walk. It may be reading a book, a lunch break. It may be going to the cinema, enjoying a nice glass of claret or whatever it is, I don't know. Choose something that you enjoy doing, but do it as a gift from God. And as you do it, do it prayerfully saying, God, thank you for this Beautiful gift, because as the scriptures teach us, all good gifts come from God. But today, we're going to get our foundations straight. We're going to get our foundations rock solid, because the theme of generosity is central to the Bible. You may not know that. And we'll see today where true generosity is found and what it really looks like. And as we get into this, it's worth defining what generosity means. So here it is from dictionary.com. This is what the word generous means. Liberal in giving or sharing, unselfish. Free from meanness or smallness of mind or character. Or large, abundant, ample. Interesting. We tend to think of generosity as being about something we do, usually with money. But instantly we can tell the definition is bigger than that. Points in a different direction. That it is as much about how something's done as what is done. Sharing, unselfish, free from meanness or smallness of mind, abundant. And that becomes really clear when we get to the bit of the Bible that was read to us. Because it highlights something about true generosity. And we're going to see two things. Firstly, what generosity isn't. 
and then what true generosity is. That's where we're going this morning. So firstly, what true generosity isn't. And this story that was read to us is an amazing one. If we've been around church for a while, we may know it. It's a favorite of many people's. But it is a shocker of a story. And we might miss the punch because we've heard it so many times. Jesus tells a tale, a parable, a story. And like all good stories, it has two characters, a saint and a sinner. And the kick in the tale is fascinating to us. Two men went up to the temple to pray. One a Pharisee, another a tax collector. Not unusual in that culture, going to the temple to pray, a Pharisee and a tax collector. But we forget the punch. You see, we, if we've been around church, will have heard of the Pharisees and think of them as being bad somehow. We're kind of negative. But in that culture, the Pharisees were the good guys. The religious authorities were kind of stuck in their ways. And so this new reform movement had been rising up of Pharisees that were trying to get back to basics, back to the Old Testament, back to what God really wanted. They were a reform movement. They were trying to introduce real devotion and what it looked like. These Pharisees were the heroes. And in contrast, you've got the tax collector. Now, even in today's terms, sorry if you are in the tax office, but even in today's terms, being in the tax office is not, they're not the most loved people on the planet, are they? But most of us recognize they're important. We treat them with respect and so on. But in those days, tax collectors, you may well know, were hated, despised. Because they were acting on behalf of the invading Romans, taking money from their own people, giving it to the enemy, and in the process, stealing some for themselves, whatever they wanted. And I was trying to think of a contemporary equivalent of this. This is what I came up with. Some lovely nuns that wouldn't hurt a flea. And Philip Green. <laughs> Uh, of course, this last week had a twist to the end of that tale. The Pharisees were heroes. The tax collectors were hated. And what's more, look at the Pharisees' life. I fast twice a week and I give a tenth of all I get. This guy's impressive. He's impressive. He's a committed, devoted, generous man. And so you've got Jesus setting it up, the greedy and the generous. Boom. And then Jesus does something that we don't want to happen. We want the greedy banker to get his comeuppance. But Jesus, as so often, challenges something far deeper. Because there's a real sting in the tail, isn't there? And yet, and yet, he goes for the jugular. Because look at their two prayers. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I'm not like them. I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all I get. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Two very different prayers. The Pharisee was generous in one area, but that generosity didn't transfer to his heart, to his attitude. And that's the first aspect. True generosity isn't about what is visible. 
It's deeper than that. Now, please hear me. The action is important, but true generosity is way deeper than any one action or any one pattern of actions. His apparent generosity is found out because look how impressed he is with himself. Let me give an example uh, about visible actions. I don't know if you know who this guy is. Put your hands up if you know who this one is. Many of us know who he is. His name is Bill Gates. Now many of us may know. Bill Gates, the founder of Microsoft, uh, the wealthiest man in the planet, according to this year's list. But he's also the greatest philanthropist of our age, given away an estimated so far $30 billion. That is a lot of money to charitable causes. Out of his astonishing wealth of $70 billion, he's given away nearly half so far. Wow. You probably know him. How many know this guy? Those in the first service now know. <laughs> this guy's name is Charles Feeney. You may not know his name. He's referred to as the James Bond of generosity. He is the hero of Bill Gates and Warren Buffett and so many more. To date, he has given away $7 billion, but that's not what, that's not what is so amazing. What's so amazing is the life he leads and actually what he has left. Because he's given away so much to the, to the point that he now hasn't got much left at all. And that's his aim with the age that he is. Generosity, interestingly though, is more than visible because up until recently no one knew about him. It was only when the New York Times did an article on this mysterious donor to so many places around America that they discovered who he was, the James Bond of generosity. True generosity is way more than a visible act. True generosity also, though, isn't about the giver. It's not about the person being generous. We all know, as the questions were asked earlier, about people giving things or being generous in one way, and it looks very generous, but the motives are very different. Let me give an example of this. Some of you who've been around church for a while may chuckle at this. In a previous church, and I say that, in a previous church, we had an organ, and this organ was dying. Many of us rejoiced at the fact this organ was dying. In fact, the plan was not to replace this organ. Committees were sourced, decisions were made, until a large donation was given to the church, and yes, you've guessed it, specifically and only for a new organ. A large four-figure donation. You be the judge of what was behind that. Whether that was an act of generosity or whether that was an act of trying to do what somebody wanted. Or let me give another example. Many of us will know, if we're honest, about times where we have been generous with praise to somebody and the motivation behind it is hoping that they then in turn are generous with praise back to us. Or many of us, if we're honest, have given our time, been generous with our time, 
but we know deep down it's because it makes us feel good to feel needed, to help people, to solve people's problems. Or many of us, we've been generous because we want to impress somebody. It can be subtle in all our hearts if we're honest, but sometimes an apparent act of generosity is more about us than the generosity itself. No wonder that Jesus calls the Pharisees elsewhere whitewashed tombs. Look impressive, but not inside. So, if that's what true generosity isn't, it's it's not about what's visible and it's not about us, what is true generosity then? Well, this is where we begin to discover what is right at the root of the way the Bible talks about generosity. True generosity is an attitude of heart. And we can see that when we return to the second story in our passage. It's a well-known story about some little children coming to Jesus. And what happens is the disciples stop them, effectively saying, Jesus hasn't got time for you. You're insignificant. Jesus is about important stuff, don't you know? And of course, Jesus' reply is, let them come to me. Don't hinder them. The kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Now, we could get a million points out of that, very important, helpful things. But the interesting thing for this morning is, do you notice why it's put in direct relation to what's just come? The Pharisee who seems impressive, but his heart, it's all about him. And then you've got these people saying, no, no, Jesus hasn't got time for you, insignificant. Whereas Jesus models what true generosity is like. Come to me, even you, little children despised in that culture. It's about heart that flows out in so many different ways. Time, money, energy, words, everything. True generosity is about heart. And it comes out in a multitude of ways. Now let me give an example of this, which is an embarrassing one. And I've told the story before, but I'll tell it again to remind myself. Many years ago, when my wife Claire and I were going out, we lived in London. Uh, And uh, uh, one evening, we were in central London together, We'd been out somewhere and we were all, we lived kind of near each other and so we were both catching the same train back from Waterloo, the last train of the night. Great. And we were there a bit peckish, we still had 10 minutes to go and so we did, like many people, join the queue of upper crust, you know, upper crust, grab, try to grab something, a cup of coffee and maybe a sort of, you know, sandwich or something on the way home. In this long queue, there were lots of people and this homeless guy was walking down the queue saying, spare some change, spare some change, spare some change. Bear in mind, I'm with my lovely girlfriend. I like my lovely girlfriend. In fact, I love my lovely girlfriend. And so, when this homeless guy comes up and says, spare some change, my immediate response is, my brain doing a million things all at once, being, trying to be very wise, I won't give you any money, but I can buy you something. So we got to the front, I bought him sausage roll, I still remember sausage roll and a hot chocolate. All along, What was going through my head? Was it A, poor homeless man, I'm going to really help you. Was it B, she probably thinks I'm amazing. (laughs) And to show what was going on in my heart, two weeks later, I was on another train late back from Waterloo, on my own this time. 
this same homeless guy was walking through the carriage. You may have been on trains where you come through the carriage, spare some change, anyone spare some change, and they get off before the train goes. My response, what was it? You guess. Was it, oh, you again, mate, here, let me bless you. Or was it, turn my head, hope he doesn't recognize me, and ignore him. It was, of course, sadly, the latter. Why? Because generosity is an act of heart before being an act that's visible. And because we live in a culture in which we're quick to blame others for the fault that they have done and forget that we're all people, all making mistakes, all mess up. And in relationships, it's easy, isn't it, to find fault with someone else, but hope they're generous to our faults. Generosity is about heart. We can all be generous in one area at some point, but there is something deeper. True generosity lies in the heart. And this becomes even clearer when we see the way the Bible uses the word generous. Generous. So here it is, Psalm 112. Good will come to those who are generous and lend freely, who conduct their affairs with justice. Great, nice one. Love that. Put that on your fridge. Brilliant. What about this, though? Number six, the Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. That's a lovely verse. Or this one where God describes himself. And the Lord said, I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy. I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. Those three words, generous, gracious, and mercy, are the same word. And we begin to see how Bible understands generosity. Generosity is an act of grace, an act of mercy. They're tied up together. True generosity is about self-sacrifice. Our English word generous comes from the Latin genus, meaning people, group, race, stock. And generosity literally means to lay aside your people group, to lay aside something of who you are for the sake of others. That's way bigger than a single act, isn't it? And that became really clear to me recently when I saw this film. Anyone seen this film? Put your hands up if you've seen this film. Hacksaw Ridge. If you can stomach it, it's a cracking film, but I do say that if you can stomach it, there are some pretty horrific uh, battle scenes in it. But it's an amazing true story about a profound act of self-sacrifice, self-generosity, in which a guy named Desmond Doss during the Second World War saved the lives of 75 men at Okinawa during the bloodiest battle in World War II. What happened was they were trying to take this ridge. The American soldiers had to climb up the cliff onto this ridge and they were sitting ducks. And Desmond Doss, whilst all of the army had retreated, Desmond Doss stayed up there going to rescue ones that had been injured and then lowering them down off the cliff. 75 of them all in fear of his own life. An amazing act of self-sacrifice. But what's even more incredible is that Desmond Doss signed up 
voluntarily as a conscientious objector to join the front line without wanting to shoot a weapon. He signed up specifically to go into battle to save those around him as a medic, not carrying a weapon with him. That's generosity. Putting his whole self in the way of others. Which of course leads, as I come to a close, the third aspect of what true generosity is really about. Because in case you missed it by now, we all fall short of what true generosity is. And I think that's the point. That deep down we all are lacking. We may be generous in some ways. But you might be therefore beginning to ask, well, what does true generosity actually look like if it's not just giving generously in some way? Well, look again at Luke 18 and something becomes very, very clear. Do you see how the tax collector prays? God have mercy on me, a sinner. Beautiful prayer, which we'll pray in a minute. But that word used for mercy is a really unusual word in the Bible. It's only used in one other case. Literally, that word mercy means to render oneself. And there's only one other place in the New Testament in the Bible that it's used like that, and it's this. Talking about Jesus. For this reason, he had to be made like them, fully human in every way, in order that he might make atonement for the sins of the people, that he might render himself for the sins of the people. Friends, true generosity is found in Christ. The most open-handed, open-hearted self-sacrifice, where he laid aside all of the glory and stepped in to our world. Where he gave of his very self, emptying himself, nailed to a cross for all those acts of ungenerosity and generosity made with mixed motives. Shattering death itself, taking that hit for us. That's true generosity. And that's when we begin to see what generosity might look like. With our gracious, generous God giving literally his all for us. How can we not? Then with all the good gifts he's given to us, then want to generously lavish on those around us, those who we aren't like and those who we are, those who are at fault and those who aren't, those who we wish were better and those who are like us. Only when we grasp how generous God has been to us can we see there, how can we not be generous lavishly to those around us? May God help us, this series, to be the kind of people who live lives of true, lasting generosity to this world, to our families, and beyond. Should we stand together? Please stand. I'm going to invite us to 
say that prayer that the tax collector prayed together out loud. Some very simple words with a very, very profound meaning. He said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. And I'm going to invite us all to simply pray that. You may, if you'd like to, find it helpful to hold open your hands as it were a little picture of you surrendering to God. Putting aside, rendering yourself to Him. This may be the sort of prayer that you've never prayed before. And that's absolutely fine. Because God sees your heart. So should we say it? Let's say, God have mercy on me, a sinner. Let's pray. God have mercy on me, a sinner. Father, you have been beyond generous to us. The very breath in our lungs, all the good gifts you give to us. And ultimately, Lord, when we look at the cross and see the gift of forgiveness, of hope, of salvation, we are blown away, standing in our stead. May we catch a glimpse of that and then be living self-sacrificial, generous lives for those around us, we pray. Fill us with your spirit. Equip us, we pray, to be generous people. And we pray this not for our sakes, not that we'd be known, but only for the sake of Jesus, in whose name we pray. Amen. Be respond.